I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Is Gen Z a completely lost generation? We just saw them turn out in droves for Democrats in the midterm elections fueled by issues like abortion and a fake climate crisis that doesn't exist. In this next episode, we'll talk to someone who gives us a little bit of hope that all is not lost with this TikTok generation. We'll also talk about how Justin Bieber is a terrible husband. Yes, you heard me right. Justin Bieber. Vita Duffy is the daughter of Rachel and Sean Duffy. You probably know them for Fox News. Sean obviously served in Congress as well. She's also the co-founder of Thinker Chicago and a writer for The Federalist. And she joins me next. Stay with us. Vita, I'm so glad to have you on the show. You know, we've been able to talk offline about, you know, life and the craziness of everything going on, um, as well as, you know, I've had the opportunity to interview you when I filled in on Fox and Friends. And you're a great writer, always make a lot of sense. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Obviously, the country's a mess. You know, when you look at how young people broke overwhelmingly for Democrats by a 28-point margin, it makes you worried. You know, why are young voters so drawn to Democrats? I think there's a lot of things going on. Uh, I think the school system is a huge deal, right? I mean, you have indoctrination machines at public universities, uh, and they've only gotten worse. I, I've noticed I'm I'm 23. I have siblings that are in elementary school, um, and it's it's changed even in the last you know 15 years. Um, it's gotten much more radical. And then you have the teachers' colleges, right? I mean, that that's a big deal, too. I also think media comes into play. I think Democrats do an amazing job of messaging to young people on, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snapchat. They're totally tech savvy and in a way that conservatives just aren't. And I, I think that also plays into it. And I also think, you know, there's, there's the, the, the classic, you know, you're you're a liberal when you're older or when you're when, when you're younger and then you become more conservative as you age the problem is we're our starting point for for leftism with young people today is radically 
um, worse than it was for liberals in, say, the 1960s, because at least those those liberals, right, they believed in free speech and protest and like, all these different things that um, the modern leftists, which I saw firsthand at American universities, completely reject um, have gone in a in a really, I, I would say, fascist direction. Talk about the role of social media, because, you know, when I I mean, social media didn't really I don't think Facebook was around until I was in college, you know, so I didn't grow up with TikTok and Instagram and and that whole. How has that shaped young people in today's society? Psychologically, it's completely altered. It's even altered their brain chemistry. Right. I mean, you you have really short attention spans just from all of the scrolling and the short form content Um, on a on a, you know, a, a more on a level of 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 what kind of information that we're taking in, right? I mean, it's not, it's not very in-depth. We, we, people, young people don't read anymore. It's something that I'm a writer for the Federalist. We talked about it uh, at our last staff meeting where I said, you know, un- unfortunately kids aren't going to come to our young people, Gen Zers, and even, you know, the younger millennials are not going to come to our site because they literally just don't read. Um, and, and that plays a huge role into the indoctrination game, right? Because if you don't have people that are thinking deeply, that are reading materials that are, um, have, you know, been in our, the classic literature for a long time, and they're getting all of their news from TikTok, I think it's an astounding number. Like it's like 75% of young people so that they're getting their news from TikTok, um, that, that means that they're very vulnerable to, to information warfare, right? And the left, as I said, they do a great job of messaging to young people and in a way that conservatives just don't. To your point, it's shortened attention spans. And so it, it does seem like everyone is so used to having things so easily that it has led to a lack of critical thinking, particularly among young people. It definitely has. Um, I, I, I'll also say, if you even look at public schools, like how, how they teach these days, they can't assign, you know, 30 pages of, of reading a night. Maybe, maybe if you're in an AP class in your later years of high school, they might do that. Uh, you're seeing video content and and that sort of thing come into the classroom all the time. It's a, it's a complete degradation of the American education system. That's why my, and, and I, and this is not just at public schools, this is happening at private schools as well. My parents have my siblings in a really wonderful classical education, um, school. But when I was in, when I was in school in Wisconsin, I didn't have that also. So it was, it's really, and then I had to play catch up when I got to college. So I got into a really good college, but I think it's a problem across the board for, for young people. What role do colleges play in, in turning out the youth vote? You know, talk about some of the activism that goes on on college campuses and what people should know about that. They do a really interesting job with with uh, getting out the vote. When I was a freshman at the University of Chicago, which would have been in 2018, they had mass incentives to get the young people to vote. So they would say, you know, we'll, we'll have a free meal if everybody on your floor registers to vote, right? And they and they do that because they know how young people are going to vote, right? <laughs> they know that they're all going to vote for whoever the Democrat is in office. I mean, if, even my husband graduated from UW-Madison. Wisconsin is a very 50-50 state. The, the campus of, 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 of mostly left-wing students completely sways the the vote in in Wisconsin because there's so many of them and there's such a massive get out the vote effort um, for for these young people and so I, I you know it's it's you you want you want young people to be engaged you want them to vote um, I I question the intentions sometimes of of a lot of these college campuses I think 
most of them are doing it because they know how they're going to vote. And so they, they're giving, um, cash or, or, or food incentives, which can be a little bit dicey, right? There's, there's some ethics that goes into that. Um, but definitely there's, there's a mass get out the vote effort at, on college campuses. And I don't believe it's for, it's for altruistic, you know, reasons of, we just want everybody to vote. I really think it's, it's political. And, um, I think Republicans probably don't message to these, to these campuses as much as they, they, as, as their counterparts do, because, you know, let young students tend to vote one way. Now, you know, you, you talk about sort of these, you know, turnouts, operations, more or less. Is there pressure to vote a certain way? Like, do you feel that as a student? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's not just about voting one way. I think it's just how you view the world in general. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of social pressure. So being a conservative on a college campus is never a popular choice. And I think some people will say, oh, well, there's, you know, there's schools and and red states and that means nothing, right? If you if you go to if you go to a southern school, you go you go to Ole Miss, right? It's still going to be a mostly left wing campus just because of of the way young people are these days. Um, and there's there's massive social pressure to to be a leftist um, and to vote a certain way. And if you don't, there's a ton of name calling that comes with it. And that's, I think, the power that leftists have over young people. And I'll also say specifically women. Nobody wants to be called a racist or a homophobic or xenophobic or transphobic. They use these words as power over young people who want to fit in, who don't want to be seen as cruel or mean or insensitive. So they throw these words at you if you don't agree with them politically, and they use that to control you. And they also, if once when you have these words come at you all the time, right, you feel bad about the way that you were raised or the values that you have, um, you, you start to self-censor, right? And then after you self-censor so many times, then you actually start to believe the stuff that people are saying around you. And that's when the indoctrination happens. And it's, hap- it's this is across the board happening at all college campuses, whether you're in a red state or a blue state. How has mail-in balloting impacted the youth vote or even particularly on college campuses? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think a lot of young, so a, lo- a lot of young people, they like convenience, right? They, if you ask, they, there's tons of polls about if they want to work remotely, if they want to um, come into the office. M- overwhelmingly kids want to work remotely. Um, when COVID, when COVID hit, right. And they said they wanted to, uh, come back to campus. At least the administrations did. There was petitions from the students saying, no, we want to stay remote. Um, which not conducive for working remote jobs are not, I mean, the productivity is significantly lower if you don't come into the office and the same goes for remote classes. I think the mail and balloting is, has just, come in with this convenience culture for Gen Z, right? They just, they see it as a, a way to make things easier. And the problem is um, it's it's degradating our, our, our voting system, right? We know that these mail-in ballots are susceptible to to fraud in a way that the in-person voting wasn't. So I, I think it's an easy sell for Gen Zers with the convenience culture, um, but ultimately a really bad thing for our country. You know, you wrote in one of your columns about the midterms, this election cycle was a lost opportunity for Republicans who had a chance to remind young voters that Democrats violated their bodily autonomy and mentally enslaved them for two years. How impactful were COVID policies on college students? And and what do you think the message should have been to them? COVID was unprecedented on college campuses, right? And like, this is something that we had 
in the 1960s, right, you, you had this revolt to say, get out of our lives. The administration doesn't tell us what to do. They don't give us curfews, specifically for women, right? They had women weren't allowed to go to leave campus. They had to get signed permission slips from their parents. Suddenly, we saw this massive overreach of the campus administration during COVID controlling every aspect of young people's lives. And when it was the leftists in the 1960s saying, get out of our lives, suddenly the leftists in 2020 to 2022 were saying, we want the administration to put more precautions and and, and regulations on us in a, in a really sort of bizarre way. And, and this has been prepped for a long time, right? There's at most schools, there are as many, if not more, administrators than there are professors. The administrations used to be much smaller. Now they're massive. And what they what they did was they would say, you have to wear a mask at all times. You have to, you know, you have to, if you're unvaccinated, you can't come to class or you have to eat in a separate area. Um, you, you have to get a vaccine uh, if you want to not, if you want to exempt yourself from the vaccine, you have to get a permission slip from a doctor or a religious uh or your religious uh, pastor of some sort. And oftentimes they would deny those things. So some students were even expelled for not taking the vaccine. They implemented these communist reporting systems where they had students report their classmates or their teachers for breaking COVID rules. So one example is I had friends who took a picture that they posted on Instagram in a group setting. Um, They were wearing masks, but they weren't six feet apart in the photo that they posted on Instagram. And they got reported and threatened with being kicked out of student housing. And the reason that they were actually reported is because leftist students knew that these students were part of our our conservative school paper. So it was actually targeting of people that you didn't like. It, it, it was extremely communist and disturbing. And the schools actually made you sign forms when you came onto campus saying, I, I promise that if I see someone breaking COVID rules, I will report them. To the, to the COVID reporting system. I will turn them in. Really bizarre, um, and in my opinion, communist uh, policies from these university administrations. Totally communist. Also, snitches end up in ditches is what <laughs> I've learned growing up. You know, <laughs> Why do you think these colleges and universities were even forcing students to get vaccinated or isolate in the first place? I mean, we know statistically young people are just not at risk from COVID. So why was it an, a test of submission or why do you think they forced students to subscribe to policies they never needed to? It's interesting that you asked that because I would have thought right? If this is an experimental vaccine, we don't know what the side effects are going to be. We know that the students aren't at risk. Why would we take that chance of having a vaccine mandate when we could be slapped with lawsuits, right? If students get vaccine injured. I mean, by the way, I, I know of students who have been vaccine injured who were forced to get the vaccine because of the mandate. What I think happened is they all take cues from each other. They're not really independent institutions. They're not really free thinkers. Um, which makes sense because they don't they don't produce free thinkers. Um, so they are all taking cues from each other. So, for example, U Chicago um, follows Harvard all the time. Whatever Harvard does, U Chicago does. So we knew the second that Harvard said we're locking down, we're gonna we're gonna shut down classes and go remote, or we're gonna have a vaccine mandate, or we're gonna have a booster mandate within a couple of days, and even within you know a few hours, U Chicago did the same thing. So they all sort of took cues. Nobody wanted to be the one school that didn't shut down, that didn't, you know, um, 
that, that didn't have a vaccine mandate because they're all sort of virtue signaling to each other. Nobody wants to be the one that's insensitive or the outlier um, or not taking, allegedly not taking the pandemic seriously. Um, and I think really it's a testament to how bad these universities have gotten. They're really not free institutions and the students that they produce aren't free either. It seems like there is an increasing herd mentality among young people. Is that social media that's reinforcing that? The the fear of, you know, standing out or being ostracized from the crowd? Yeah, I, I mean, I think social media reinforces it, but I, I think this has been this is more of a, a cultural thing that has been happening for a few a few years now. Is this um, this herd mentality? And you're and you're right when you when you describe it that way. Um, and I think when I when I brought up the name calling right, I think that's a huge deal. Um, I, I think it's the I think it's the virtue signaling. I think all of it sort of plays plays into it. Um, and and it is 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 reinforcing this. You're right, herd mentality and and not being free to say what you think because of not just what your peers will say about you, but what your future holds. So there were a lot of young people who during COVID didn't like the vaccine mandates, didn't like the mask mandates, knew that they were ineffective, but they said, you know what, we're going to comply because if I get written up, if I get something on my school record and it gets back to my future employer, I'm not going to get that Goldman Sachs internship. I'm not going to go to JP Morgan. I'm not going to, there is a, a social credit system that is not as official as it is in China, but it's definitely here. And young people feel it way more than the older generations do because it's with them since they're in elementary school, right? All of the, all of the virtue signaling, all of, all of the herd mentality is always there. And they know that there will be consequences if they step out of the norm. Let's take a quick break. More on Gen Z. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We're seeing rates of depression go up in young people. I mean, there was a recent report that showed almost 60% of U.S. girls reported persistent sadness and hopelessness, and and rates are up for boys as well. Why do you think so many young people are so depressed? I don't like to be the one that says, like, social media is, like, the the cause of everything, right? It's the bane of civilization. But I do think social media plays a role in it, right? There's, there's like, a, a big... There's a lot of comparisons that happen, right? If you're on TikTok and Instagram and you see all these airbrushed photos of these girls who look perfect and they're getting millions of views and you don't look like that, that can be really depressing. But I think it's just not not being present in general is the problem. I think you're consumed by your phones. I don't think young people have human-human interaction, and this was especially true during COVID. I think religion plays a big role into it. What what brings you purpose in life? And the the truth is most young people are are atheist or agnostic or or if they are identifying as a religion, they're not very practicing. These are things that that give people grounding and give them purpose. And when you take that away from them, they get depressed. So I'm not surprised by the numbers at all. Do you think the reason you turned out so normal is because of your parents? Because <laughs> you, you certainly stand out in uh, a sea of sheep people and uh, a sea of a broken generation, it seems. I appreciate that. It's very nice of you to say that. Yeah, I mean, my parents are wonderful. Um, something that I always, because I, I didn't go to a super conservative school. Actually, I went to for most of elementary school, um, actually for all of elementary school, I went to a very left-wing school. So when my dad was running for Congress, um, he, I, I was coming into class and people would bring in literature against him, right? Making fun of him. My teacher, my teacher would come and try to debate me. I'm like a little fifth grader and she would try to debate me on, you know, what, what terrible things my parents are saying or, or trying to run on. And, um, but I think what was different about me is that I, I really was energized by that kind of, you know, the, the, the politics and the, the, the battle of ideas. I thought it was really fun. I had a a situation, I don't know if you remember, but during the Scott Walker protests, um, in Wisconsin, because he had, he had taken away, uh, uh, public sector unions. So the teachers were very angry. They occupied the Capitol in Wisconsin. It was a massive, these massive protests. My dad did a fundraiser with Scott Walker in 2010. And at the protest, I saw my fifth grade teacher and two of my best friends protesting against us as we were going into this fundraiser. Um, and I think most people would like be really traumatized by that situation, but I just was very energized by it. And I noticed that in my own family, right? There are some, like some kids are really excited by, you know, this battle of ideas. And some kids, some kids in our family say, I just, I'd rather just, you know, not, (laughs) not, not be in the battle all the time. But I think the most important thing growing up was that my parents always had conversations at the dinner table. So anytime that something was came up at school or came up in Girl Scouts and they would always, we would always come home and we always 
talked politics and and um, about our culture and values at a very very young age. Um, and they were and they didn't talk to us like children either. They were they never talked down. They always explained things like we were you know that we were real people. And I, I thought that was really helpful. You know, I, I had a similar um, upbringing because my first word was no. And then why came shortly <laughs> after, which makes a lot, which makes a lot. Of I sense. love that. Yeah, but but my dad, you know, but my parents took time to like debate me and tell me why and explain things and have conversations and really fostered that environment, like you're describing, of debate, conversation, critical thinking, you know desiring to stand alone and that it was okay to not be a part of the crowd, you know? So I really do think a lot of that, you know, a lot of those conversations and that upbringing comes into play, obviously now as adults that we both are, it's interesting that we kind of had, you know, similar upbringings in that way. Are these younger generations lost or or as conservatives, you know, how do we message them? Can we reach them? What is that messaging? What should that look like? I have a good example. Um, There, now I'm forgetting his name. I'm going to I'm going to look it up. But there's this Democrat representative who is doing the most amazing. OK, so I'll, I'll go back for a second. I did say that there's an issue with with young people and attention spans on social media. The problem is if you boycott social media as a conservative because you say, oh, well, it's not you know, it's not good for kids. I'm not going to be messaging on there. I'm going to do press releases instead or write op eds in The New York Times or the, or the Wall Street Journal you're not going to reach them. You have to go into the belly of the beast because you don't have an option. That's where people are. So as much as we don't like TikTok, we could talk about, you know, the the CCP influence campaigns on it and and, and that and what and whatnot, but the point is there's 150 million Americans on the app. You have to be there. Democrats are there, Republicans aren't. Republicans could at least be doing the same thing on Instagram, right? But they're not. Democrats are the only ones that are doing real messaging. I think AOC does a great job. She does live streams all the time. If something's happening in Congress, it's getting a lot of traction. She's up in front of her 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 camera her camera, um, talking about the issues in a really straightforward, seamless way, so that young people know what she's talking about. Um, and it feels very conversational. It feels very real. Repu- Republicans don't do that. I think Kevin McCarthy is. I mean, he should be doing that every every day. He should have four or five videos about what's going on in Congress. That's the way to refute the left's lies. When they come on social media and they say, look what Republicans are doing. They're trying to take away insulin for people with diabetes, right? They'll, they'll say that kind of stuff. And when Republicans aren't responding to it on these platforms in a meaningful way, Democrats control the conversation. And this happens over and over again with every single issue because I'm on social media, I see it. Um, and it's so, so frustrating. No, it's such a good point. I mean, obviously, you know, we criticize TikTok, rightfully so, uh, because it's, you know, basically controlled by the Communist Party of China. But to your point, you know, this is where young people are, you know, and so if you want to reach them and message to them, perhaps, you know, we have to go into the belly of the beast, so to speak. You know, you y- wrote an op-ed recently about how Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, YouTube, and Snapchat pose a far greater risk than TikTok explain yourself young lady. <laughs> yeah. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, um and it's just a controversial piece I, in within my own staff at the Federalist there were some people saying I don't I don't even know if we should run this article because they didn't want to undermine the the risks of TikTok. And I'm not going to say that TikTok is not a risk. I've I've written about 
Chinese influence campaigns being waged on TikTok against young people. I understand. What I'm saying is I think our social media companies are worse. I, I mean, you have, we know from the Twitter files that Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of these companies are in collusion with the deep state to interfere in our elections. They suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. They, they silenced doctors during COVID. Uh, they, they promoted the Russian collusion hoax. They're shadow banning conservatives. These are, these, the collusion between big tech and the deep state, American big tech and the deep state is an immediate threat to conservatives specifically, but in general, Americans' freedom and our, and our ability to, to effectively have uh, a, a free speech public square, right? On TikTok, there's actually comparatively more freedom than there is on American social media companies. For example, there's a, a Lila Rose video where she says it's never medically necessary to have an abortion. That video was slapped with a fact check on Instagram, but was untouched on TikTok. The exact same video, untouched on TikTok. And there could be reasons for TikTok to want to do that, right? They could say, you know, we want we want to sow discord on American among Americans, and so we're going to allow anybody to say what they want um, politically on our app. Okay, we can acknowledge the bad intentions of TikTok while also saying it's a good thing that TikTok is actually allowing conservatives to say what they think. And I think for conservatives to try to, to get rid of apps that are actually platforming our ideas is, is in disservice to ourselves, right? I think our own companies are much more hostile to us. And I also think it's un-American to, to be banning apps. China bans apps. I don't think we need to ban I don't think we need to be banning apps. I really think that that's communist behavior. You could argue about the fact that, you know, ByteDance is obviously based out of Beijing. So it's slightly different just in the sense of obviously they can access all of our data in a way that, you know, they can't with some of these other social media companies. But, you know, fair point in terms of them not censoring conservatives as much. Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Vita Duffy on the other side. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You, you had mentioned the issue of abortion. Why do you think so many young people are, are driven by that issue? I think that it's not just young people. I think our whole country is driven by that issue. I on, I really believe I think it's been the number one issue and divider in America um, for decades now. Uh, and I and I think it's it's been a way for 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 Democrats to really animate people and for Republicans to really animate people. Um, for Gen Zers, I. I know that there, it might seem like they have, there's a lot of loud voices, right? They're super, you know, pro-choice. And I think probably the majority of, there is, the majority of them are pro-choice, but there is a growing number of pro-lifers and even left-wing pro-lifers because the science stands in the way of radical pro-abortion ideology. You can see ultrasounds, you know, there's a heartbeat, you know, they have pain receptors. Like there are so many things that, we're faced with, especially if you're faced with right an ultrasound where you actually see your child before you have to have an abortion, right? These are things that have really been changing the whole debate. Um, when when there were pro-choicers during the time of Roe v. Wade, they didn't they didn't really know. You couldn't really see your baby's fingers and toes um, on a screen. Now you can. Now you can get these really amazing 3D pictures that are are, are just incredible. And um, I, I, so I I think there's a lot of um, disillusion from conservatives among like that young people are super pro-choice. I wouldn't be as I'm not as freaked out as they are. I think that there's actually a lot of hope just because of of how amazing science has evolved. Well, I, I certainly hope so because you know abortion is murder, which I believe you you know you share that idea as well, that mentality. You know, so Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez, we've got to talk about this. You know, you wrote a column that Justin Bieber is to blame. Obviously, for those who don't pay attention to the pop culture stuff, I do because you know what? Sometimes the news is so depressing, you just need escapism, a break from everything that's going on. But it's basically. You know, Selena Gomez used to date Justin Bieber. Haley Bieber is now married to Justin. And there's this ongoing, you know, sort of online stuff that they're at odds, Haley and Selena. You know, talk about why Justin is actually to blame in the drama, not Selena or Haley. The Selena-Haley drama has been going on for a really long time. They dated Justin Bieber on and off. Um, and so then Haley actually ended up with Justin and now they're married, but the Selena fans are still really upset and think that Haley stole Justin, um, from Selena, really kind of bizarre fan behavior, to be honest, kind of creepy fan behavior. And like bullying too. Like they're right. like constantly trying to bully Haley. All right. So go ahead. No, you're totally right. They, they, so they're constantly trying to bully Haley. There's a video where they say that Haley was making fun of Selena. There's another one where people say Selena was making fun of Haley. The point is people in, extrapolated from one of one of these videos and just went after Celine, um, Haley for months and months. Literally, I think it was like two and a half months where it was like just constant hatred, attacking, 
comparing her to to Putin, like saying she looks like Putin, saying she looks like an ear, saying she looks horrible and that she's a, um, a boyfriend stealer and just all of this craziness. And at the heart of this issue is really not whether Haley was mean to Selena or Selena was mean to Haley. What it is, is who deserves Justin? That's what the fans are really arguing over is that. And, and that's what they were saying is that Justin does not actually support Haley because he had been silent through all this. They're saying Justin is still in love with Selena. And what Justin should have done when things escalated to this level is he should have stood up for his wife. He should have said, you know what? Haley Bieber is my wife. I'm in love with her. I'm not in love with my ex-girlfriend. Everybody back off. (laughs) But he didn't do that. He stayed completely silent while his wife was being torn to shreds by these horrendous Selena fans. Meanwhile, Selena is actually encouraging her fans to attack Haley. Um, Now she said stop, but at a time, at, at one point she was doing that. And I just think the real villain, like I said in my article, is not is not Haley or Selena or, or all of this drama. It's really Justin because he should have stood up for his wife and put an end to all of this a long time ago. Yeah, man up, Justin Bieber. If you're listening, be a man. Uh, <laughs> hey, Vita, is there anything else totally. you'd like to? Yeah, exactly. Vita, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we go? I think Gen Z gets a bad rap. <laughs> I think as we we're talking, we talked a lot about Gen Z issues and voting rights and 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 things like that and. Um, there's a lot of really good things about my generation. They are super entrepreneurial. I don't know if you know that, but there's 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 so many studies that show like uh, over I think it's like 60 or 70% want to start a small business. They don't want to work for someone which, you know, <laughs> can can play well because I think that's a really good thing to have um people that are really are are motivated to create and to be innovative. I I think that's a wonderful thing. Um I also think, like I said, I think science is on our side when it comes to abortion. I think a lot of young people are pro-life, and I think even more will be pro-life as they get older. Um, And I I also think that part of the failures that we're seeing with this generation, it can be easy to blame them for everything and say, oh, they're so dumb, and they have these low low attention spans, and um, they're all indoctrinated. Well, the reason they're indoctrinated is because we have indoctrination machines in our school system. And that's not the fault of kids. That's the fault of adults who have have allowed universities to turn out horrible teachers from these teachers' colleges, right? And 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 degradate our our education system so it's not based in God, but it's instead um, completely irreligious. Um, and there there are so many things that are are the cause of of Gen Z and the issues that they're having and the depression that they're facing. Uh, COVID being one, right? Putting somebody in lockdown for two years so they can't socialize that ha- that takes a toll. So um, I, I I'd ask a lot of people to also look inward and to think about how can we really message them and how can we fix the problems that they're facing because they're they didn't just they didn't just pop out of the womb a bunch of crazy communist leftists, right? It happened for a reason. I think adults need to take some responsibility there too. Well, you know, as millennials, we can't blame ourselves, so we have to blame you guys, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's the way it works, Evita. You'll do the same to the generations below you. But y- y- you give me hope, Evita. Uh, you do great work. Everybody go check out Evita's work on The Federalist. Uh, go follow her on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, it's Evita Duffy underscore one. All right. Well, everyone go check Avita's workout. You give me hope. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Thank you for having me. That was Avita Duffy Alfonso. Appreciate her taking the time to join the show. 
bring us a little insight into what seems like a crazy generation, Gen Z. Appreciate you guys at home for listening every Monday and Thursday. You can listen throughout the week. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Love reading those. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together. Until next time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.